Good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. What an awesome time of worship we just had, right? So good. So good. Hope you're having a good week. I, uh, I'm excited about a lot of things this fall. One of the things I'm excited about is football is back. Who's excited that, that football is back? The Raiders, some of you were at the Raiders Stadium last night, the Legion Stadium. It looked full. And so I don't know who you're cheering for, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I used to be kind of a, a monogamous football fan. Like I just had one team and then the Raiders happened. And so I'm no longer in a monogamous football relationship. It's complicated now. What's your relationship status? Complicated. Cheering for the Raiders, but I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan. I was raised kind of on my dad's knee watching Cowboys games. So, you know, that's just what I do. And uh, even though it's been 25 years since we won a title, uh, I'm still here. You know, it's complicated, but I'm here. Um, years ago, Lori and I, we made this uh, uh, decision to go see a Monday night Cowboys football game. I've only been to a handful of like NFL games in my life, but, but we flew to Dallas um, we made a whole cool like two days of it and we went to the stadium and the Cowboys were playing the Philadelphia Eagles and the stadium was packed. I don't know if you've ever been to like a Monday night game or a Thursday night name in the NFL, but they're just crazy, right? Sold out, people stand in the whole game, it was nuts. And I remember being in that stadium, it was so loud, people were cheering, they had so much energy and excitement for the Cowboys and the Cowboys in typical fashion were not playing to their potential all that season. It was one of their like worst seasons. It wasn't just that they weren't winning, it's just that we all knew they were so much better than that. Doesn't that drive you crazy? Like, like I've, I've, I've cheered teams certain years, you're like, man, they're playing above their potential. They're losing, but they're playing better than they, than they should be. And that, that, I can cheer that team all day long. It's when they're playing under their potential, you know, that it just drives you crazy, right? That was the Cowboys this year, but people are cheering them the whole day. And we went in, and we knew they were going to get beat by the Eagles because the Eagles were on a roll. We knew they were going to get destroyed, but it didn't matter. We were cheering all that the Cowboys were not with all that we were. And they lost 49 to 21. <laughs> and nobody was surprised. And I remember sitting in that stadium, so much energy and so much excitement. I flew all the way to Dallas. I paid money to be there. I even stayed in a hotel filled with Eagles fans, <laughs> right? And I did all that to cheer on a team that I love. How much more should I be excited every weekend when I get to show up at church and cheer on and celebrate a God that I love? And a God that, like, isn't having a losing season. He's not playing below his potential, right? You know, it, it, uh, a God that has been there for me and seen me through all my drama, my sin, my junk, my, my stuff, right? A God who's walked with me through the ups and downs and the valleys and the mountaintops. A God who has seen me through all this junk in my... How much more excited should I be to come and celebrate him and give praise to him? If I can sit in a stadium and cheer on all that a team is not with all that I am, how much more can I come to church and celebrate all that God is with all that I am? And I think that's what, that's what worship is. Somebody said worship 
is responding to all that God is with all that you are. Just responding to all that God is with all that you are. And so worship, it can show up in a lot of ways. It can show up in music. That's usually what we think. We think about worship. We think about singing and lifting our voices, lifting our hands, or standing there and looking real cool while other people sing. But you're worshiping. I'm with you guys. You know, like some of you are like, yeah, man, I'm not really, I don't really. But I'm here, right? That's good. But we're worshiping, we're, we're, you know, we're engaged, we're, we're taking it in, our hearts are directed upward, right? But worship is not just music, it can also be prayer, it can be service, it can be giving, it can be generosity, it can be kindness, like all of that can be directed to God. Worship is responding to all that God is with all that we are. And here's why it's so important. When we come together and we worship, worship tends to reframe your fears and it tends to sort of reboot your heart. And we're in a season right now where there's a lot of things coming at us, right? The struggle is real. Uh, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of challenges. I asked a parent this week, I said, hey, you know, so like you're a mom of young kids in elementary school. Like, are things better going into school this year? Are parents calmer? You know, I'm always asking these questions, or are they wigging out even more? She's like, oh, no, they're, they're, they're wigging out. Some of you parents, you're right there, right? There's a lot. There's fear. There's struggle. There's challenges. Some of you teachers are like, man, follow me around. But here's what worship does. It recenters us. It reminds us in our struggle that we're not alone. It reminds us that God is still good and he's still working. Right? It reminds us that things may be hard, but we're going to get through this by his grace. It reminds us that our problems may be big, but our God is even bigger. It reframes our fears. It reboots our heart. And that's why when we go back to the early church community, the first church community, one of the things you see is that they gave themselves to worship. And so I want to talk to you today about how worship can help you and me in our lives. We kicked this off last weekend. We are family. We we looked at Acts chapter 2, this sort of key passage about the early church community, these first followers of Jesus. We talked about how they had devoted themselves to one another and to teaching and to learning and to meeting together. And we discussed that last week. And we're going to go on, pick up where we left off, Acts 2, 46. When we get to the red word here, just say it real loud with me. It's how we make sure everybody's awake. But uh, here's what it says. It says, they worship together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, that's like communion, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while, what? Praise. Praising. Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So this is the first church community, and this is what they did. They worshiped together, and they praised God. Twice we see basically this descriptive word that they were worshiping. They worshiped together at, at the temple. That would be more of a public place where they gathered in a little larger gatherings. They also worshiped in homes, right? And they would meet together and study. And that's why even today, 2,000 years later, you know, we, we gather together collectively um, and we worship at church. We, we meet together in homes and groups and, and we study the Bible and we grow together in our faith. And if you're interested in getting into a group, you can always just go to central.family and uh, just check out information on groups. You can jump in and join one there. But we're modeling ourselves to the best we can after what we see in that early church community and the practices that they gave themselves to. I want to share with you three things that worship can help you and I with in our lives right now. And the first is this. 
Worship can make you unshakable. Worship can make you unshakable. Kid agrees. You know, sometimes we'll say, uh, man, I'm shook. Right? Something happens in your life. Somebody gets sick. You go through a difficult thing. You have a tough day at work. You call a loved one. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm pretty shook right now. I don't know if you've ever been like almost uh, hurt in a car wreck or an accident. You kind of get on the other side of it and you're sort of in shock and you're sitting on the curb and you're like, I'm, I'm shook. You know, Elvis used to sing, I'm all shook up. We get shook. And it's interesting, in Acts chapter 16, we read about two people, Paul and Silas, who are in a difficult situation and everything around them gets, gets shook. It gets shook up. But because of their worship and where their heart is, they remain unshakable. So let's look at this. Acts chapter 16. We're going to go a little further in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas, Paul's one of the leading missionaries of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He's sharing the message of Christ. He's in the city of Philippi. He gets falsely accused. Mob violence kind of erupts. And Paul basically gets taken. He and Silas get beaten with wooden rods. They get thrown in prison and they're actually put into the, the inner dungeon and there are shackles on their feet. Okay, that's what you call a bad day. Right, And that's where Paul and Silas are, and this is what we read in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What's that? That's worship. Right. So Paul and Silas are in this situation where it would have been easy to blame God or other people. God, if you're, if you're really for us, we wouldn't be in prison. God, if you're really there, things wouldn't be this hard. God, if you're, look, they could probably get around, they could probably hardly get around because they've just been beaten with sticks. And what do they do? What's their response to all the drama and junk going on in their life? At midnight, probably couldn't sleep because of the pain. They praise and worship God. You want to know how to get through your worst day? Worship. Worship. Look at this. They're praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was what? Shaken to its foundations, like the whole prison is shaken. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now that's what I'm talking about right there. So check it out. Paul and Silas are in a dark place. It's hard. It's difficult. They've just been beaten, falsely accused, and thrown into prison. They don't know what's coming next. But what they do in response to that is so key. They worship and they give praise to God. I just saw, speaking about the Cowboys, since we're there, just saw Dak Prescott being interviewed. Dak Prescott is the, is the quarterback for the Cowboys. And, and maybe you'll remember if you follow sports very much, last year he got tackled on a brutal play. And basically, I think he broke his ankle. But you pretty much saw his whole ankle like do this 90-degree thing where it was like almost going backwards it was probably the grossest thing I saw on ESPN last year. And then there's this kind of bizarre moment where he takes his leg and starts slapping it on the ground to try and get his ankle to go this way. Remember this? Anyway, I wanted to throw up. And you know, like, 
the season's over, bro, and we all know it, and your career may be over, like it all may be over for you as far as football. Hope, by the way, hopefully he's back. Now he's got a shoulder thing, but come on, dude. I saw him interviewed, he goes, when I was sitting on the field in all that pain and all the emotions were hitting me, he said, I'd, I'd had a friend tell me before, like, when you're kind of at one of your worst moments and you don't know what to do, just thank God. Just thank God for all that he has done, for who he is. And so here's like, this was a cool for me, like Dak Prescott's going, if you want to know what I was doing when I was sitting on the field, this clip that's played all over the world, he said, I just kept saying, just thank God, just thank God, just thank God, just thank God for all that he has done in my life. What is that? That's worship. Even though everything just went sideways, worship will see you through your worst day. And here's a thought for those of you who may feel all shook up right now. Maybe your life is shaking, and possibly your life is shaking because God is actually setting you free. See, so often we think, hey, God, I need you to show up in my life, right? We pray, God, do something in my life, work in my life. And then the next thing you know, God shows up in the form of disruption. Everything starts shaking. You're like, whoa, that's not what I was, I didn't, I, that wasn't my prayer. Right, I just wanted a blessing. I didn't want you to break it all down. You know, but all of a sudden, like a relationship ends, the pandemic surges again, job stuff gets flipped on its head. You start like everything gets crazy in your life. And sometimes, just sometimes, I, I, I think, you know, we, we get distracted by the disruption and we don't realize that God could actually be working in the disruption. In Paul's case, they're worshiping, and God shows up in a disruption, and God's actually working in the disruption in their life and in their situation. See, sometimes we just pray that God solves that disruption or the distraction. Just make it go away. Maybe God's saying in your life, hey, I'm doing a new thing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not just shaking you down in this moment. I'm actually shaking things up to set you free. And worship is so important because when we can't always see it in those moments, when we're regularly showing up at church and lifting our heart, when we're all the while praising like those early followers did, that means you can worship in your car, you can worship when you get up in the morning, you don't even have to have people around to worship, you can kind of limp to the, to the shower in the morning and say, Pray, thank you God, I praise you. It's all still working, it's coming around, we're coming around, my mama. My mama, gosh, I got a text this morning. My, my mother passed away 12 years ago. Bless her heart, she was 80 years old. Absolutely adored her, love her. But my mom used to always say this, she said, come on, body. Come on, body. Come on, body. That's fine when you're 80. It's not cool when you're my age and you're like, come on, body. Here we go. But you can still worship, right? You can still give thanks. 
You can still face that moment and say, God, thank you. You're moving. Here's the deal. When we worship, we connect to the God who is everywhere, who is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. There's no problem too great for him. There's no difficulty that's bigger than he is. There's no challenge that he can't handle in our lives. We got to remember that the darkness may be real, but the darkness won't last forever because light has come in Jesus. Christ and that light is available to me even now worship will connect you to that so it makes you more unshakable this last week uh, I was doing my just personal kind of quiet time. I always start every day the same. If you've been around Central, I've bored you with this a million times, but I always bring it up because I just want people to know I'm, I'm living this. I'm living it as practically as I know how, and I'm sharing it with you kind of as real as I know how to share it. Every morning I get up, I make coffee. First thing I do is I pray through one of the Psalms. So I just go to the Psalms, the prayer and song book of the Old Testament, I read through a psalm and I just stop and say a prayer, whatever hits me, whatever strikes me, unless it's a long psalm, no joke, then I break it up. <laughs> we don't have three hours, you know what I'm saying? Like, got to get going, the day's, day's coming, so I'm just being real. Anyway, I'm doing that. This week, I was, uh, Wednesday, I was in Psalm 112, and I saw something, I've read that psalm a million times, but I never saw this verse in the same way said this speaking of the righteous of those who fear God people of faith and it says this quote they do not fear bad news and I read that and I just had to stop because man when I think about my life over the last 17 months it is so easy to fear bad news right now isn't it is anybody else like me just waiting for the other shoe to drop you know, oh, you think Delta's bad. Wait till you get a hold of, I don't know, Frelta. <laughs> you know, wait, wait till you see what's coming next. You know, like, like, you're right. You know, you just immediately start going down the road to whatever the worst case scenario is. You know, you, or, 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 you know, what's going to happen when we stop just throwing money in the economy? You know, like, like what, you know, what, what have we set ourselves up for a cliff, right? All these kinds of things. We all think these things. We, we read articles about, I've gotten to a place sometimes where, where when I'm getting ready to open the news app on my mobile device, I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, like, here we go. And there's some fear in there. Man, I just read that and I thought, wow, God, help me become a person who doesn't fear bad news. Like, what would that be like, <laughs> you know? And it's really the second part of Psalm 112, that sentence that I think it captures the why. It, it says this, it says they, they, they don't fear bad news. And it says because they confidently trust the Lord to care for them. That's why they don't fear bad news. Worship reminds you God's been there in the past. He'll be there in the future. None of us want bad news. But when bad news comes, we remember God saw us through and God will see us through. Here's another thought. Worship can give you compassion in your life. Uh, so I've got a landscaper at home who sent me this picture this last week of uh, one of my plants. He said, Judd, hey, um, you know, I'm going to trim this back and you might want to kick the water up and maybe this thing will come back. And I, I just was like, bro, that thing is dead. 
no hope, right, for this plant. <laughs> but I was thinking about this plant. You can be a follower of Jesus. You can place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can go through seasons in your life where you no longer show up at church, you no longer engage in prayer, you no longer lift your voice in worship, you just get distracted, you get pulled into a whole lot of other things. And I want to suggest to you that as a follower of Jesus, you can be saved, but you can still feel like you're withering. In fact, let's bring that picture back up. Because when you don't worship in your life regularly, you start to wither. You start to wither. I mean, I've been a pastor for a long time, decades. But I've had seasons where I withered because I wasn't personally engaging in meaningful worship of God. I believed in him. I loved him. I'm for it. Team Jesus. Right on. But I wasn't personally making the intentional effort in my life to worship him, and therefore I wasn't getting the benefit of what that does in my heart, and I start to look a little more like this. Paul and Silas are worshiping. Here's what's interesting. Uh, they have this earthquake. The chains fall off, but God has been working in their heart, and Paul realizes he's already spiritually free. He's not so concerned about his physical freedom in that moment. Paul and Silas don't run out of the prison. Check out what happens. They see that the jailer, who is very concerned that everybody just left, comes in. And in that culture, it's a different culture. It wasn't like the jailer be like, hey, man, your prisoners escaped. You know, tell us why. No, they just kill him. So he gets his sword out, and he gets ready to fall on his own sword and die because he let these prisoners escape. And Paul stops him, and he says, no, 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 we're all still here. And then look at this, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 29. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out. They don't leave till the jailer brings them out. These dudes are at a whole other level, right? He brought them out. And they asked, sirs, what must I do to be what? Saved. See, God was doing something bigger than just their physical freedom in that moment. God was about to set this jailer free spiritually. And Paul, because he was worshiping, was in tune with not only the heart of God, but the compassion of God towards somebody who had probably done some things to hurt him even in the last 24 hours. And so he comes in and he's trembling. He said, what am I supposed to do to be saved? This is Acts chapter 16. You can read it yourself. Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole family. And so the jailer actually takes him to his home. They tend to their wounds. Uh, Paul leads the jailer and his entire family to faith in Christ. And God works in that situation. Compassion is flowing in that situation. But I want you to remember this. Because Paul and Silas worshipped through their wounding, they were able to see God was working. Sometimes... When you're wounded, 
You want to pull back the blinds. You want to push God and everybody else out. You're hurting. You're, you, you, know, you want to turn to self-medicating in whatever way you can. But let me tell you, the way you get through stuff in your life is you worship through the wounding. We're all going to get wounded, right? We're all going to get hurt by our parents, by our family, sometimes by other people. Listen, you don't stay in a church community for 10 or 15 or 20 years without at some point getting hurt by somebody. But you just keep worshiping through the wounding. And that helps you realize that God can turn everything for good, even a situation like Paul and Silas's, and use it for the salvation of somebody else. So they kept worshiping and God kept moving. Worship reframes your fears and it reboots your heart. Third thing worship can do for us in our lives is it, is it can make us bold. It can make us bold. Uh, on Instagram, somebody put this little question up. I thought it was uh, pretty funny. They said, uh, quiet, laid back men, why do you go for loud, fiery women? Let, let me hear it from the loud, fiery women. You know who you are. That's right. Opposites attract, right? Quiet, laid back man, why do you go for loud, fiery women? Somebody said this. They said, somebody's got to tell the waiter I order mashed potatoes, and it ain't going to be me. One of the things worship does, even for calm, introverted, laid-back people, is it gives you a boldness. Worship gives you a boldness, an ability to have boundaries, an ability to hold to your convictions, an ability to stay your ground. Not, not the license to be mean, but the ability to be bold when you need to be bold. Paul's bold. Acts chapter 16, basically the city leaders, the next morning, they realize this earthquake's happened. They, they realize Paul and Silas are actually Roman citizens, a big deal in that time, and that they had been falsely accused, beaten, and thrown in prison. And they're a little bit scared to death because this could go really bad for them that they allowed this to happen. And so they kind of want them to just leave secretly and go on about their way. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 37, Paul and Silas, who, by the way, go back to prison after being with the jailer. They're like, well, you know, we're just going to hang out here because God's not done with what he's doing now. So the, the chains fell off for a different, different purpose than we might have originally thought. They're still in prison. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens, so now they want us to leave secretly? What? <laughs> Certainly not. He's like, let them come themselves to release us. That's bold. Paul's like, no, you're going to come. You're going to apologize. You're going to beg me to leave the city, which is what they did. And even then, he didn't. He went first to Lydia's house, and he encouraged all the believers in the city of Philippi. And I think he did this for a bigger reason than just justice. I think he knew if they beat him, a Roman citizen, how much more license might they take with another follower of Jesus next time? I think he knew if I don't stand up and protect my fellow followers of Jesus, if I don't watch their back now, then what could happen next time? So he made those city leaders come and apologize and grovel a little bit. He's bold. Just because you're a person of faith and a follower of Jesus and you're all about love and forgiveness, man, that does not mean that you're sort of sheepish and not bold. 
Paul was bold. He was filled with love, but he was bold. And he took steps when he needed to take. Here's the thing. When you worship, it can make you bold because when you fear God, the more you fear God, the less you fear pretty much everything else. Right? And so you're in tune with that when you're worshiping. In fact, one of the most amazing things that was said that I've ever read about worship was actually spoken by somebody who is not religious at all in the, in the traditional sense. He's passed away now, but it was a novelist named David Foster Wallace. And in 2005, he gave this speech to Kenyon College, to the graduating class. And it's so fascinating. He said, everybody worships. He says, the only choice we get is what to worship. And he said, the compelling reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. Listen, if you worship money and things, if they are what you tap real meaning in life for, then you will never have enough. You will never feel like you have enough. If you worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power and you will end up feeling weak and afraid. You will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. I mean, that's some pretty insightful stuff. And then he goes on and he says, these are, he says, there's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. So for you and me, what, what are we going to choose to worship in our lives? Because when you put God first and you worship him, it's going to make you more unshakable. It's going to fill you with compassion and a soft heart that's thriving. It's going to make you bold when you need to be bold. Worship will remind you that you're not alone. It'll take you back to your roots. It will connect you to the grace of God. It will remind you of all that God has seen you through. It'll remind you that God has done so much even despite you. Worship reminds you to give thanks. It reminds you to, um, to, to give praise. It keeps you in the right mindset. It reminds you that life isn't about you or your frustrations or your problems or all the things that could go wrong, that life is about God. Worship reminds you not to fear the bad news because God is faithful. Worship gives you confidence that God has your back. It enlarges your view of God and it minimizes your view of your problems. Worship ascribes worth to the only one who is worthy of all of our worship. So right now, whether you're watching online or joining us here, I want to ask everybody to stand together with me. And our team is going to come out and they are going to lead us in a time of worship in a time of response. I'm gonna ask you to sing big. Put your hands in the air if you're comfortable, even if you're not, that's okay. If you'll do it for the Raiders, you can do it for Jesus, just saying. And let's just respond to him for a moment here with all that we are. Let's sing this together. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. 
Yes, you sound with that my bands. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands and declare this name. This is how I fight my battles Oh, and my hands feel high This is how I fight my battles We worship you, God This is how I fight my battles Oh, this is how I fight my battles We sing it loud This is how I fight my battles Come on, we can give God some praise in this room today.